Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Creaseman. And I'm Ira Creaseman. And on this episode, we continue our conversation on Final Fantasy Tactics. When last we left our heroes, Ramza and company had slain the Marquis Elmdor, or rather the Lukavi Zalera the Death Seraph. You know, because we're, we're doing that now. We're straight on confronting the secret hidden cult, the Knights Templar of the Church of Glabados, who have their own secret agenda beyond the secret agenda of the actual church led by High Confessor Marcel. So it's all getting very, very complicated. And inside of this, we were reunited with the daughter of one of the other members of the Knights Templar, who we are now going through and sort of killing one at a time here as they turn themselves into super creepy demonic monsters with the stones that they have. Meliodul, the daughter of Fulmarv, who seems to be in charge of this entire creepy adventure, witnessed and actually took part in the battle with Elmdor, recognizing that this is in fact what the stones and therefore her father are up to, and we pick up with her and Ramza sort of still in Limberry Castle, having a conversation about what to do next. After once again confirming that the stones do what they do, Melia do then asks the important question of, okay, what do they want? What, what are the Knights Templar after? And Ramza, and this is an important point, I think, for everything that he does know, still has to say, I, I cannot see their ends. He, he doesn't know yet what they're after. He knows what the High Confessor wants, which is essentially to appoint himself king. That's what most of the schemers in the story have wanted. But what does the cult want? We don't really know. He says, you know, if we're to judge from Rio Veins, where there was a slaughter, right? They possess enough power already to drive an army to its knees, yet still they do not use it, he says, or even flaunt it openly. There must be a reason, and that reason is our answer. Emilia Duel remarks that the Lukavi cannot be felled by men, or at least every tale and legend paints them the same. Ramza says, so they do, but I have seen these monsters slain. And I love that he doesn't say, I've done it myself. <laughs> he gets real, you know, really noble, or um, really humble here in this moment. He says, I've killed a couple of them, actually. Uh, and then they basically agree that, you know, well, we better hope that they're not the undyings from the stories, but rather things we can kill, because we're probably going to have to kill a few more of these things. I find that really interesting because I wonder who spread those stories. If the Lukavi have been playing the long game here, they might be the ones who have put themselves in legends as unkillable. Sure. And so Meliodul decides to trust the Orosite that she has to Ramza, but asks for a favor in return that she be allowed to go on the rest of the journey with this ever-growing cast of heroes who are trying to prevent something, though we don't know entirely what yet. <laughs> and then she tells Ramza that her father has gifted a stone to Lord Dicedarg, and that really surprises Ramza. He's like, wait, why would he give a stone to my brother? Another question we don't have the answer to yet, but it's... Well, we, we do a little bit in that the stone chooses the vessel. Right. 
That's another thing. I guess we know, and that's going to happen a lot at the end of this story where like we as the audience uh, have a lot of information that the characters don't. And so, uh, you know, it might be like, oh, why didn't they do X, Y, or Z? But we got to remember, there's still so much that they don't know. So they decide to return to Egros. And then we get this scene, this really fascinating scene back at Zeltenia Castle where Oron, who you'll remember, had escaped from the big battle before and ran off as Delita had murdered uh, Duke Goltana and technically let Orlando go, though Oron doesn't know all of that. Uh, he does know about Delita killing Duke Goltana, though, and so he's come to warn Lady Ovelia. Yeah, remember, it was, it was his adopted father, Sid, who said, look, you got to protect the princess. She needs somebody on her side there. And so he like bursts into the courtyard, bleeding all over himself, like worried about her. And she's like, worried about me? What what about you? Bleeding all over yourself, man. She starts to try to take care of him. But he says, I beg you, hear my words. The man who murdered Duke Goltana was not, not my father, Count Orlando. My father was framed for treason. He escaped from Fort Beslot with Ramza Beelv. He fights now to frustrate the High Confessor's plot. And Ovelia immediately goes, yeah, I did not think the Count a man who had plotted rebellion. Of course not, right? Like The last person who was going to do that was Orlando. But as Ovelia is asking for clarification about who, you know, this whole time we've also got like knights trying to break down the door because there's an intruder, right? And so they're you know, kind of interrupting. And eventually they burst in and Delita walks in. And now, you know, he's always had that really nice gold armor, or at least since he's joined up with the the church initially. But now he's got this brilliant robe and it's it's like the white mage ro- robes yeah. from Final Fantasy 1 or 9, if you prefer. It's kind of a, got a big collar, a big mantle, if you will. Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's looking very... Very noble for a man who hates the nobles. Yeah. And Delita orders the knights to leave. And one of the knights calls him my lord. Which, again, remember where Delita came from. He was just the nobody from nobody who was, you know, in the filth, in the gutter. Whose sister was tossed aside because she was in the way. And now this guy bows and says, my lord. And Delita says, stand up, turn and walk out the door behind you. And the knights are like, well, but Lord Commander. And Delita says, it was not a request. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, man, he's now that he's got some power, he doesn't mind throwing it around, does he? No. And and, and remember, he's in uh, Lord Sid's position now, right? Goltana gave him Orlando's position. So he's he's got power, and the Duke is gone. The Duke is dead, so... He's I mean, basically who, in who outranks him here? Yeah. yeah. Other than King Toddler. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Delita... Or <clears throat> so, Ovelia immediately begins to beg Delita not to hurt Oran. And Delita just says, this is a foolish thing you've done, Oran. And Oran says, traitor, you have no right to speak to me. Yeah, because Oran still... I mean, Goltana was his lord, too. Yeah. 
even though we know we remember the conversation where Oran was begging his father, Sid, to go to Goltana and stop the war. And he thought Goltana was being foolish and said as much, which was treasonous. And Sid kind of verbally slapped him down for that, you know. So now, Ira, I want to get your ethical take on this. Delita says, you act as though you did not wish for what I did, Oran. Look around you. Do you see any earnest tears? You were not alone in praying for his fall. I even made your father out for dead. You should thank me. No one pursues a man known slain. Mm-hmm. So it was Goltana who branded Sidolphus Orlando a traitor. It was Goltana who refused to end an endless and needless war. Even when the plains were flooded, he was going to order his troops into the muck. Right? No love mm-hmm. lost for Goltana. Why no. should I feel bad? Why should I disagree with Delita here? Why, why should I have a problem with Delita stabbing him in his gut and sure. taking over? Sure. Well, I think the problem comes not from Delita's actions, but from a world that requires them. Right, yes. You know, in, a, in a perfect world, we would... We would see this corruption. We would remove this person from power. He would be made to stand trial and somehow answer for his actions. But that's not the kind of world this is. And I'm not sure that Delita trying to arrest Goltana would make any sort of significant change. Right. So I don't disagree with Delita except that we know... I mean, we've seen his his growth in power and how he now wields his power. So his I, I don't think his reasoning is... You, you can find fault with the reasoning, right? Goltana was a bad person. He was doing bad things. He'd been doing bad things for a long time. Now he's out of the picture. And he's not wrong in that he basically... Uh, Delita basically saved Sidolphus Orlando's life. Right. By, you know, by... Uh, exaggerating his death so is it ethical no but by what standards you know right and and given the situation they're in i i don't think it's unethical either (laughs) totally right totally so yeah yeah i i also agree with delita here he if if delita's designs were pure then I would be much more likely to say, yeah, it's like it's like Luke going after the Emperor, right? Uh, you know, why shouldn't the the leading spiritual monk of the rebellion assassinate Emperor Shiv Palpatine? But uh, yeah, knowing that Delita has these greater designs, not not for peace, but to burn it all down, yeah, it makes it a little more suspect, I guess. Yeah, that it's. Even to what we know at this point, just as much of anything, a revenge plot against the nobles who took everything from him. So he's going to take everything from them. But he's putting this face on it of like, well, but it's also in the best interest of everyone, which it is. So sort of still with Delita here. And Oran says, I am in no mood for japes. And Ovelia, aghast that Delita just admitted to assassinating Dunkeltana, says, why would you do such a thing, Delita? Now, her morality and ethics coming from a, a purer place, a, 
an earnest belief in the best version of their church, right? <laughs> and Delita says, I told you, didn't I? I work, I work to see you made queen for true. So this was the same problem she had earlier, right? All these people are dying in my name, and they've never even seen me. Right. And then she says, you know, the, the line of the story in so many ways, really, she says, not you do is for true. And that we know, right? It's why I compared Delita to Littlefinger of Game of Thrones. Everything is a scheme. Everything has been a scheme, at least since Titra died. And we're okay with the vast majority of them, because fuck them. Yeah. But she's right here. How do I trust you? Like, you're the guy, everything you do, you're always looking around the other corner. You're always looking for the scheme and scheming yourself. We've had a few discussions about who's the worst person in Ivalis. Yeah. We might even do a list, right? You know yeah. how I love my lists. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah. anyway, uh, I, for all the awful things that all these awful men, they're almost all men, for all the awful things they do, the one thing that the Lita does that's maybe worse than anybody else is he makes me love him. He makes me want to agree with him. Yeah. Like all these other guys, it's just so easy to hate these bastards. Yeah, just let them die. Let them die and be dead. Yeah, but not Delita. Yeah. I, I want him to be right. And right. he's so close so many times. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's exactly what Ovelia says after they're back and forth about trust. She says, I, I want to trust you. I do. But it is not such an easy thing. I should mention really quickly because I don't think I ever shouted out the voice actor for Avelia. There's not a lot of scenes with voice acting in the War of the Lions version, and I just wish there were so many more, and she's only in a couple of them. But I, I have to mention, because she's so, so good, and she's in a ton of Final Fantasy stuff. Her name is Carrie Walgren. She got her start in Final Fantasy stuff playing Shelk in Dirge of Cerberus, Final Fantasy VII. She's also the cool. voice of Princess Ash in Final Fantasy XII, basically the main character of that game. And she is Aranaya Highwind in Final Fantasy XV. Neat. Very so, cool. Yeah. Also additional voices in Final Fantasy thirteen and thirteen two, and in Final Fantasy VII Remake. So kind of a, a veteran Final Fantasy voice actor, but that she's... Three pretty extraordinary badass women of Final Fantasy. Well, four. I, I'm not going to leave out Shelk. I love Shelk. She's great. But Ovelia, Princess Ash, and Aranai Highwind is a pretty incredible trio of characters to voice. And very different roles. Absolutely. That's, that's great. So then Delita tells Ovelia to return to her chambers so that he can have words with Oran. He sent her to her room? Come yeah, on, he man. did. Still treating her like a prisoner which has been kind of an unspoken truth about all of this, because why isn't she in charge now, actually? Well, because she's been this sort of puppet Manchurian queen the whole time, right? But she begs Delita not to hurt Oran, and he says, I'm not going to, you have my word. More of that promising and trusting from the schemer of schemers. And then Oran starts getting really honorable, and he says, I did what needed to be done. I only needed to clear my father's name. Go on, 
I ask that you make it clean and quick. And Delina goes, stop it, dude. I'm not going to kill you. It'd be a total waste. Oren says, what? What do you mean? What do you, what do you need from me? And Delita says, your loyal service. And Oren says, again, you jape. I would die before I bent my knee in your service. And those appear to be his two options here. So bold to say that. Yeah. But I love what Delita says, ever the pragmatist. And again, it reminds me of the, the logical, you know, because people say things like that and they get really poetic. And then Delita says, no, no, you would not. No, you're not going to die here and now because of this. Because I'm going to bring down the northern sky. And when that sky falls, the land of Ivalice will again be made level. Then I build a new kingdom for Ovelia. The High Confessor will face judgment as well, of course. I am not the church's hound. They were just the vehicle for him to get there. And now he's done with them as well. But again... Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. F him. <laughs> am I supposed to feel bad for the church? For the high no. confessor? Yeah. And, and I want to point out, so we said he sends her away, right? But she hasn't actually left yet. Right, She went right. down the stairs, she opened the door, she closed the door, but she didn't leave. And so I wonder if Delita knows that she hasn't left. And so saying, I'm going to build a new uh, a new kingdom for Ovelia was for her ears. Or, or am I giving him too much credit? No, I like that. I, I, I think you're right. And and I because, again, it's like he's trying to win her trust. He's, he's always playing every angle, right? And so, yeah, I, I think that that's... True, but I also think that he does mean it. I mean, we're, we're, a lot of the last couple of episodes here are going to be us trying to figure out what's really going on in Delita's mind and heart. And it's not ever made explicit. So there's a lot of room for interpretation. I actually think that this next thing that he says, for me, it's where he probably started to go off the rails a little bit. Because to this point... I'm okay with 90% of what he's done. And I think 99% is at least justified, right? But he he like he starts telling his own tale here. He starts waxing poetic on himself and recognizing his like political influence. He's reading his own polls, you know? Mm-hmm. And he says to Oran, you know what I do is right. It is undeniably so. A common-born squire takes the reins of a knightly order and leads a wayward kingdom from the midst of chaos. The masses yearn for a hero. I give them what they wish. And he's right. Like, of all the people we've met in this story with power, Goltana, Larg, Barrington, Elmdor, Fulmarv, we haven't met the High Confessor yet, but we know what he's up to. Even the people who have led factions, like the Death Corps. You know, it's... They all, like we were talking about, all super problematic. And Delita is this, a common-born squire who rose to a high knightly order and now is righting some wrongs. And to this point, he kind of is a hero. He's just... Now he's sniffing it. He's getting high on his own supply. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
And that and that's how Oran responds, you know, using ought and all to forge your legend. Delita says, is that so wrong? Which is the question we will have to continue to wrestle with. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So we need to talk about Valmarfra. So I'll jump in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's not forget. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That the other person in the room here is Valmafra. And when Delita claims not to be the church's hound, she gives him uh, a look. Because as Delita has explained, she is here to keep an eye on him for the high confessor. She is not Delita's loyal person here. She, she answers to the high confessor. So if Oran is is questioning his traitoriness at killing Goltana, now it's Valmafra's turn to question him turning against the church, and she pulls a knife, and that's when Ovelia really runs out of out of the room and slams the door closed, so everyone knows she hadn't left yet. Yeah. And Delita looks at Valmafra and says, "What? Do you mean to kill me? I know full well the High Confessor sent you to keep watch on me. Your orders." are to kill me at the first sign of betrayal. No? And he does that thing where he spreads his arms wide and he walks around Oran to face her. Do it then. Stab me with that dagger as I stand before you unarmed. Strike me down. And I, again, how much of this is planned and how much of it is just he's really good at taking advantage of the opportunity? Yeah. Because she hesitates. I think she's grown to to like him to see the wisdom in his in his argument like you you know you asked the question about ethics earlier. Right. Does she also see it as well yeah it's probably better with Goltana's gun. And she does not strike. And he says if you will not then do not blame me for this. And uh the camera pans up and he charges Valmafra uh and she screams and then the scene cuts. And, yeah, and it leaves it there. And I think we're led to believe that he just murdered Valmafra, though, because we don't right. see it. Of course, there's ambiguity. And then we scene transition to a cemetery. Always a good mood setter. And, man, I, I, I love these little scenes. I love the weird role that moss fungus just plays at the end of this, if we didn't make that clear last time. But... Here we have the the next part of the detective story, right? That Zalbog is putting together the clues as he had overheard Lafrey telling Dice Darg about moss fungus and how certain flowers will bloom from the grave if you've been poisoned, and so he goes to check it out. He brings a, a chemist with him. Right, he, yeah, you, you got to bring the, the herbalist, right? The chemist, the person who knows. The, his Samwise Gamgee, like someone who knows what the plants <laughs> do. Right? So, you know, essentially the, this scene is, there's a little bit of back and forth between them, and there's a great writing as always, but essentially Zalbog learns what we all knew, and the herbalist confirms that, yes, the, the flowers are there. It's almost certain that your father was indeed poisoned, and, and Zalbog goes, yeah, 
Yeah, it's my thought. <laughs> so there's a there's a clever bit of writing where uh, the herbalist wants to get out of there because it's bad luck to find the moss fungus growing on on a family, you know, in a, on a family plot. He says, the house falls as the cap rises, or so they say. So the, the mushrooms or the flowers or whatever grow as the, as the family house will fall. And then uh, Zalbag pays him and says, your fee as promised. The rest should help you forget what you've seen. And the herbalist says, forget what? <laughs> so, ah, that thing. Yeah, yeah he, he knows when to not know a thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's nice. And foreshadowing and poetic because, yeah, well, by the end of the story, House Bailf, yeah. There's a brief scene where Ramza is waylaid again on the road, this time by a new character, uh, Clitine. Clit- yeah, yeah. So another, uh, essentially another Templar who's not going to get a lot to do. The big point here is that he knew Meliadul. Uh, because they were both in the Templar, right? And he calls her a traitor, and she says, uh, no, you're a traitor, and your sins will be atoned for. There shall be no mercy, not even for you. And he admits to being part of manipulating her and Islude, and she's like, oh, yeah? Well, I've I got a sword here with your name on it, buddy. Yeah. So it's a brief scene. It's nice to see. One of my big complaints, actually, about Final Fantasy Tactics, or one of my few complaints, I should I should say, is that a lot of the side characters get introduced with these cool stories and then their story wraps up and they don't get anything else to do. Yeah, th- there's a lot of that. And and even for the, the villain here, you know, we mentioned Barrich earlier, uh, Kletian. There's a part of me that really enjoys that there are, because there's so many characters that there are going to be some that, you know, we're not going to know everything about them. And, and maybe it's okay to just sort of wonder and, and kind of presume that, okay, they've been doing all these other things somewhere else in the world, right? And they have a connection to maybe just this one person, but I agree. This is the kind of thing where if this was our HBO TV adaptation of Final Fantasy Tactics, characters like these would get much more screen time, much more time to do some things and and get fleshed out a bit. Because as we said about Valmafra, it's cool that the story continues to introduce new characters in its final act. It's, you know, a, a lot of other fantasy stories... They just basically want everything that happens at the end to have to do with everyone we already know so far, right? Which is a little too neat. And and in a story like this that's trying to mimic a, a real-life war, there would be players who would randomly come in at the end and not really have been a big deal, but then were for just a minute, you know? So it's... I agree that from a, a certain perspective, it's frustrating we don't get more time with them. On the other hand, I think it helps deepen the grounded realism of it. You know the story yeah. with the demon zombie monster. Right, the very grounded demon yep. zombie story. Right. And, and so this scene essentially serves to give Meliodul like one of her last big story beats. Uh, and she, you know, she really is coming around to understand that the Templarite are, are the bad guys. Or at least are very corrupted. Yes, yes indeed. So Ramza returns home. And he gets to Igros... And there are no guards, which he remarks is passing strange. And then he sees Zalbog's mount. I like that he recognizes it. Again, in our version, that's a little more Lord of the Ringsy. All of the chocobos would have names. And <laughs> right. he would say, it's 
So in the go-to move, the storytelling technique that I absolutely love that this game employs over and over again, we pick up before Ramza arrives and we see what's going on just before he gets there. And Zalbog is apparently confronting Dystark. That's the other one you have to pair it with is coming in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> right. So we come in the middle of a conversation and Dystarg is saying, have you taken leave of your senses, Zalbog? This is madness. Zalbog says, after what you've done, you think yourself fit to lead our house? So apparently there was no subtlety about it. Zalbog has no Delita in him whatsoever. No scheming, no beating around the bush. <laughs> he went straight to his brother and said, you kill my father, prepare to die. Yeah. Yeah. Immediate action. No hamleting here. And and Dystarg is trying to play it off and, and act like this is all about Larg. Right. Yeah, he's still playing games, even with his brother. Uh, and he doesn't even say, oh, you mean that time when I... Uh, <laughs> like you said, he plays it off. That right. business with the Duke. Like, it's not that big a deal. The business. That business with the Duke. You know oh, how we oh, that, that one business. troubling time. <laughs> Ugh. Goodness, and and Zalbog says, of course, I don't even care about Idanakoi. He says, our liege lord's murder bothers me not half so much as our father's. How could you dirty your hands with his blood? What manner of son are you? And Dystarg has the audacity to say, I am my father's son. I know not of his murder. Good lord! You. So even caught out in a lie, he he plays the game. Yeah, like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like he not until. He absolutely has to no longer pretend. Will he Will he admit to a lie? And then as Zalbog just begins, you know, screaming, why do you do it? Why at him? Knights barge in and Dystark says, Zalbog is taken with some madness. Ooh. What a snake. Very close to a malady. Yeah, isn't it? Oh, man. Seize him, you know. Ah. Uh, and so the guards go to arrest Zalbog when Ramza Bale enters the room and says, Stand your ground, Zalbog. Like, what? <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So, again, I I don't like Zalbag. No. There's almost nothing he could do to redeem himself. But the fact that Ramza comes in and says, Stand your ground. Like, you're right. I know you're right. We're not going to let these guys lie and say that that you don't know what you know. We're all on the same page here. Yeah, again, it's sort of like what Zalbog says here is true, and I'm going to read it and agree with everything that he says and point out an important omission at the end. Yeah. Because he says, Ramza, yep. <laughs> it is all, all as you've said. Dystark enkindled this war and slew the duke all to feed his own ambitions. He has sullied our name, brought scorn upon our house. He must be made to pay. What about the ordering of the murder of the girl? Yeah. You were okay yeah, with that? that? You you carried that out? It, it, that he, that again, it's like we're with him, but his line is, well, he, he sullied our name. You know, it's mm-hmm. about his ambition. He killed the Duke. He killed father, but the other things you were totally okay with. So we're with you on this, but we're still not with you. Yeah. But they do fight side by side. They they do. They get to fight side by side here. 
Also, do you find it strange how in fiction, brothers and sisters will call each other brother and sister? Yeah. And like, I, like, was that a more common thing of like ancient times or I of don't the know. style of speech? Or is it really just some exposition stuff so that we know? Well, they'll do it also like in TV, like in uh, Supergirl when uh, John Jones's brother shows up. They call each other brother all the time. Oh, it's like, yeah. I never call you brother. Right. I call mom, mom. <laughs> sure. Right. But I don't call yeah. you brother. Right. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it is. It is. Start calling you Lord brother. I know, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, my dear brother. <laughs> no, no one actually says that. And then Dice Dark does his best, I guess, as, as they're fighting here. And he, he's going to plead his case now. He says, you fools. Why will you not follow where I lead? Why do you turn against me? The powerful must rule the weak. It is our duty. The crown once held such power, but no more. See how fate has brought it low? Why should we not rule in its stead? We must wield our power and seize the reins of Ivelisse. Why will you not see this? Yeah, to him it's just obvious that he should be in charge. Why can't anybody else see it? We we talked about this with Goltana earlier, right? Yeah. This, by the way, is a remarkable turn of phrase. Again, Zalbog, you know, as a person, we're not forgiving here, but this is an incredible thing to say. He says, and again, <laughs> and now I'm going to see it all over the place. He calls him brother in the middle of it. He says, <laughs> you feast on power, brother, but leave no place at the table for justice. Good line. That's a line. Yeah. Yeah. He says, the name Beowulf befits brave men who raise their swords in justice's name. You are no Beowulf. Do you think he thinks it was just to order Argoth to kill Titra? I mean, I, I, I really wonder, because they were going after the Corpse Brigade, right? Right. So, so did that end justify right. the, the execution of a, of a common child? I don't know. So then... Dystarg puts aside all the political arguments and just gets personal with his brother. He said, Who has earned you the right to wield your sword of justice, to be hailed as a hero? Is it not I? I who have dirtied my hands to keep yours clean? All that you are, you owe to me. Gordon, if you miss this shot, you're not just letting me down. You're letting your whole team down too. Yeah. Says, yeah, you ought to be on your knees thanking me, and yet you stand here in judgment. And he's kind of admitting to it without admitting to it. Like even now, he's he's not gonna say the thing. Also, Zalbag's hands are not cleaned. Right. I mean, I know that's the trick, right? Well, I didn't do it. I just gave the order, and then the right. other guy can say, "Well, I was just following orders." That's the that's the game. Right. But still, Zalbag's hands are not clean. Right. He just didn't murder their father. Right. Jeez. <laughs> That's a low bar to trip Degrading on a weird scale in this story. Yeah. And so they managed to defeat Dystarg in battle. And as he is falling, he says, You've ruined everything. Ivalis was to be ours. You fools, what have you done? And as we have seen with... The people who hold these zodiac stones before him, as he is falling, gets a blinky blinky light. This one's yellow. Shwingy, 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 shwingy doos. 
And he is <laughs> classic swingy deuce. Swingy deuce. And he is transformed into a Dramalek the Wrath. Big dragon looking thing. It's cool. I think it's meant to be vaguely goat like because it's yeah. a Capricorn, right? Which is, mm-hmm. uh, if you'll recall from Lupin, the castle of Cagliostro. Right. It's a goat fish. Yeah. This is more of a goat dragon thing, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's goat really dragon cool. fish. Yeah. Classic. Love it. <laughs> it's a Final Fantasy game. It's got to get weird. <laughs> and now, Dramalek slash, I guess what's left of Dice Darg says, So this is what it is to be a god. And there's a big flashy light, and all of the people who are fighting by Dice Darg's side are gone. And then he looks at Zalbog and says, Fool of a brother. Heed these words, the last your ears shall hear. Slain by my hands, our father Barvanath. This war had brought our house its chance to rule. He would but watch history passed us by. His due I granted him, no more, no less. No sword yet wrought can parry poison's kiss. So as... As the demon, he's perfectly fine just admitting to everything, saying, yeah, I did it. I'd do it again. <laughs> I, and he did it because they all saw the war coming, coming but Barbaneth would not take advantage. Right. And so then he does a big flashy light on Zalbog, and he is obliterated. Holy sh- But again, how bad are we supposed to feel about that? Mixed, conflicted. Harder than some, he was coming around. Yeah, but oy. he he might have gotten there. He he had shown some uh, some repentance, uh, and if he could just be convinced that commoners are people too, he might have gotten there. And so once again we must fight, and once again Ramza is is super badass who can absolutely pwn the Lukavi. <laughs> and so he does because we're good at the video game and as always they have to say some really dramatic shit as they die a dramalek comes up with too soon this mortal coil did I assume angel of blood high seraph come too late angel of blood hope hope we don't have to deal with that later <laughs> <laughs> And then he disintegrates, leaving, as always, the stone behind. Ramza's got a lot of stones now. Yeah. And and as we know, if like the 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 stones turn bad men into Lukavi when they are about to die or when they choose to give themselves over because of the intense negative emotions, but with intense positive emotions, you could resurrect a, a beloved brother, for example. So. It's not as scary, Ramza having all these stones, as it is these other awful, power-hungry people having them. Right. And now, standing there, having presumably just witnessed both of his elder brothers die, Ramza says, House Beelv is no more. Remember, we were talking earlier about the moss fungus growing as the house crumbles 
And he says, but what does it matter? We are the sum of our deeds, not our names. And then he says, Alma, I will find you. So we transition now to the seat of church power. We are in the high confessor's domain. And this is the first time we actually see the high confessor. And like you said, this this story is not afraid to introduce characters near the end. And then, uh, rather unceremoniously, introduce them, (laughs) as we're about to explain. So we're in the the high confessor's throne room, I suppose. Sure. And he's already been stabbed. Yeah, like... We're introduced to this guy again. We've we've heard a lot about him, but the first time we see him, he's in the process of getting murdered. <laughs> and Lafrey is here, and Fulmarv is here, and that new guy, Clatine uh, Cletian, is here. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a trio of of Templar, who, as we now know, are not actually uh, under the control of the Church, but under the control of the Lucabi. And and Marcel's first line in this drama is. I did not think you capable of such treachery. I'm like, really, dude? Like, he hasn't been playing the rest of the game. <laughs> honestly. And and from the guy who has been manipulating the Northern Sky and the Southern Sky, right. and then like through them, the Bart Trading Company and the Grand Duke Barrington and, and the Corpse Brigade, like, and everything else, you did not... Again, it's these rich, powerful dudes assuming they're the smartest ones in the room. Right. They're the most clever. They are the most treacherous. Uh, and that nobody else could ever get the drop on them or turn their swords against them. Like, right. no, nah, man, you are no more bulletproof than anybody else in this room. And you thinking you're the most clever is the quickest way to die. Yep. And so there's a little bit of interesting back and forth here where Falmarv basically explains that they would have been more than happy to include the High Confessor in their plans, but he was just dragging his feet. He wasn't going fast enough. He wasn't willing to go far enough. He was not helping them and gathering the aura site. And so how remarkable is this, Ira, that he's essentially the Pope of this world is High Confessor Marcel, right? And he's essentially killed for the exact same reason that common girl Tetra Hyral was. He was just in the Mm way. Yeah. And, And after a fashion, I think, like you just pointed out, if he had not been dragging his feet, if he had been more ruthless, probably one of the stones would have chosen him. Right. Good point. But then Falmarv says, you know, your wound is deep, but not mortal. Apparently the weird demonic books they've been reading also include some basic anatomy lessons and how to stab people (laughs) in just the right places. You know, science and devilry and black magic were often confused by some of these (laughs) crossovers in ancient times, like Dracula and Castlevania and stuff. Dracula's wife, I should say. (laughs) Anyway... But he says, treated soon you will live, but you've got to tell me where the entrance to the Necrohall is. And without hesitation, he says, Orbon! Yep, <laughs> Orbon right Monastery. <laughs> so we're uh, going back again. So that's that parallelism, right? That's where the story starts. That's where the story ends. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful? But he says, yes, in the lowest levels, there's a glyph bound by a magic seal. Falmarv says, and how does one open this seal? Marcel says, I know not. The scriptures may hold some clue. I cannot say. Wait, wait, wait. The scriptures of Germanique? Who has ah, those? Hang on. Who's got those? Hang on. Fulmar says, at every turn, the boy. 
Just <laughs> with absolute disdain. Calling Ramza Bale, who's thwarted, what, four or five Lukavi by now and helped basically stop a war and the boy. Uh, and then as they're leaving, Falmarv, I assume, uses the High Confessor's like first name or what is... What that's... Is fun- I, I assume, yeah, that's that would be like calling the Pope. What is his name? But like his real first name, not even like like when it was John Paul II. His he wasn't born John Paul, right? When it was right, right. right. The, they give these guys WWE persona names. <laughs> these popes. So I assume right. when he calls them Funabris or Funbris, probably Funabris. Yeah, that that's, that's like, the name he had before he was chosen Pope. Yeah, that's like that, the name yeah. he was given at birth. Like, you're just a person like anybody else, Funibris. Mm-hmm. Not High Confessor Marcel, big fancy hat in your big fancy chair. Did you see that picture that went viral of the room, of the Xehanort room with the Pope sitting in front of that giant thing? I'll send it to you. It's yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like all that stuff, but you're still just a guy with a name. So Fulmarv turns and leaves and Clatine... Clétien goes with him, and uh, the High Confessor Marcel says, Do not, do not leave me like this, I beg you. And Lafrey's still in the room, so he switches his uh, sword so that he's got it in a reverse grip and just thrusts it into the back of the High Confessor, who falls flat on his face. Uh, it is reminiscent to some degree of finding President Shinra with Sephiroth's I sword in his back. thought the exact same thing on rewatch. Same thing, yep. And they leave him there, and that's that's it. God. Yeah, they, oh, for all man. that, yeah, I mean, for, for all that, this is a a very difficult war on the lower class. Man, a lot of people in positions of power are dying. There's going to be a huge power vacuum at the end of this war. I wonder who's going to fill it. Right. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and thank you to everyone who's reached out to us. Feel free to let us know what we missed or got wrong or should have mentioned by hitting us up on Twitter or here on the Patreon or in Discord. And be sure to join us next time as we maybe conclude the story of Final Fantasy Tactics.